All right, guys, welcome back to the Intertestament podcast series. Uh, on this episode, we are in part two of the Egyptian Schools of Mystery. Uh, Elizabeth Moore McDevin is back to explain and carry us on the journey of, you know, what these schools were about, you know, what it was like to uh, be a part of the schools um, and just Bringing and breaking down details of the mystery involved with these Egyptian mystery schools. So uh, we are back and we will continue where we left off with, I believe we had just ended the sanctuaries, classroom, temples, pyramids, um, kind of discussing a little bit about that on page six. We were just getting ready to get on uh, page seven here. Okay. Um, as the forces of awakening and light have always been present on our planet, so also have the forces that seek to hide and distort the light. So there's always a struggle to, um, to remain enlightened, you know, and every, um, every, uh, uh, philosophy like Buddhism or every religion there's there's always that struggle because we are on the earth plane which is its own mystery school so we're constantly having to okay. uh, learn and relearn and re-educate ourselves and you know just when we think we've got it all worked out something can slide in there and lead yeah. us astray you know it's just Another it's a, it's continuous ensure we're still on the right path right right so what was it like to be a student or initiate of the egyptian mystery school well the faculty and staff was the preeminent um orb of what was going on that okay. it, it all stemmed from that and and of course it's curriculum so there were priests and priestesses, and these were uh, men and women usually associated with a god or goddess. Each temple had a chief priest or chief priestess. Also there, as part of the staff, was magi or magicians, and these were men and women learned in academia, math, the mystery of numbers, geometry, astrology, astronomy, medicine, chemistry, architecture, music, and art. Wow. So they were very learned people. Very then the, enlightened. Yeah, very enlightened and, and had very studious. Um, then there were the hierophants, and these usually were thought of as spiritual guides and guardians of the Egyptian theologies and the histories, and of course the dynasties and and you know people uh, who came before them who did great things. Okay. Um, then there were the masters, and these were highly revered hierophants or priest, priestesses, or magi, who in a particular discipline possessed exceptional information, skill, talent, and ability, especially the ability to teach. And then there were the pastophores. These were lecturers and teachers who explained what was being shown and taught to the initiates. And then there were the neochoros. And these were ushers and assistants who escorted the initiate 
from room to room or area to area in the temple, especially when there were initiations being carried out. And then there were the temple servants. When there was downtime for the students, these servants were aided by the students in, in the work keeping the temple and rooms clean. And initiates did these duties with the servants and did so under strict orders of silence. Wow. Okay. So with pastafors, mm -hmm. it's kind of just popping out at me is maybe that's kind of where the, the stem for like pastor. Kind well, of. it's like a shepherd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, <coughs> excuse me. They were, um, Sort of like if you go to college and you're being taught by um, a teaching assistant, okay. uh, someone who's working on a PhD or hasn't been hired, but as part of their work study, they get to um, teach, deliver and... lectures and uh, that, that type of thing. So they were part of the hierarchy and um, they would um, be able to tell uh, the initiates, what to expect. They were kind of a mouthpiece for this is what's happening now and this is what you're expected to know. So they were part of that gotcha. teaching staff. And the neochoruses were uh, ushers and, and assistants. It's interesting that, you know, the masters uh, were highly revered hierophants or priests or priestesses or magis. Really, you know, once, mm -hmm. once you reach one of those levels, uh, I guess there's masters within mm -hmm. each. Mm-hmm category mm -hmm. right and there were different types of mystery schools there was the eye of horus mystery school and the 12 temples and um the eye of horus mystery school um horus was the offspring of osiris and isis that's a pretty popular uh in egyptian mythology horus yeah, yeah horus and he was said to be uh god of the sky and also the god of the sun and the moon um, even though it was Osiris who was the, um, son, you know, from, from, you know, from the creator, uh, God Ra, Ra to, yeah. uh, to Osiris, he was the son and Isis was the goddess of the moon. Horus was kind of like the culmination of all three. Ah. Um, but he was the sky God and, he, uh, for this, for the model of the school, the sun was his right eye and the moon was his left eye. Mm. And um, they crossed the sky when he, as a falcon, flew across it. Okay? So you just imagine the falcon-headed god. Yeah. Okay, and in battling Set, who is the god of chaos... Um, one eye was gouged out, and after that he was known as the protector of Egypt. His eye, the symbol of that from Horus or Ra, and the symbol of the Egyptian mystery schools themselves. So that, Wow. You know, that's why our church has the eye of Horus. Horus, yeah. yeah. Um, these schools were founded by Toth, or Thoth, Hermes Trismegistus. Thoth was was the Egyptian god of writing, magic, wisdom, and the moon. And the moon is, um, it is uh, reflected light, it is reflection, and right. it is deep wisdom. Okay, mm -hmm. so 
uh, the symbolism, the yeah, wisdom, yeah, the yeah. reflection. It's like, all symbolism. Oh, it's it really all is. Symbolism. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, Thoth Hermes was depicted as a man with the head of an ibis. So he's the one with a very long beak. Okay. And uh, the ibis was the sacred bird associated with wisdom. And they had three such schools. They had the male school was the right eye of Horus, and the female school was the left eye of, Ho left eye of Horus. The third school was the child, the middle or third eye of Horus. Okay, so this represented life, which the Egyptians considered the most important of all schools. Everything in life is a lesson preparing us for higher levels of existence, higher levels of consciousness, once we cross over uh, into spirit. So all aspects of Herman, uh, human experience was studied, and the left eye school was attended first. first. Okay. That, was that was the feminine. The feminine. The lunar. Yeah, the lunar goddess. Okay. So... Um, so the left eye is sort of like junior high school, and the right eye is sort of like high school, and then, yeah, okay. in terms of the intensities of um, but all uh, encompassing all of the information is necessary to reach the highest level. You can't have one without the other. Which, in today, in the way we kind of model our society, is that you're getting either one or the other. You're not really getting the combination of, you know, wisdom. Uh, exactly, <laughs> and you're getting some knowledge. But Factoids. Right, but they're not really able to transcend that knowledge into the wisdom yeah, trans that it should be. It, yeah, it should be transformative, but it, basically it's just a, a checklist. I don't know. And then the second type of schools were the 12 temples, and these were all up and down um, the Nile. And uh, there were 12 special temples built along the Nile, and these were associated with each of the chakras, the seven chakras. Uh, of the body and then the chakras of the hands and feet. Wow. And um, it took the initiate 12 years or cycles to complete this particular school. And these 12 temples, they focused upon feminine consciousness. And um, there also would be very fearful situations. So by the end of the 12 years, they were fearless. Okay, the type of teaching, there was oral teaching, and sometimes you only got the chance to hear this oral teaching one time. Wow. So you had to have maximum focus yeah. and be able to retain everything that, that you were hearing. Okay, so once emotional healing had taken place within the student in the, um, like the first parts of the feminine lunar school, schools. the lunar school, the student would progress to the male school or the right eye of Horace Mystery School. And it was taught orally, and like I said, only once, although its primary components are etched on a single wall under the Great Pyramid leading into the Egyptians' Hall of Records. Mm, okay. Also, there is the Flower of Life down there with all of this. Um, it is four, foot, four feet in diameter, and um, there are 47 other images around it representing chromosomes of Christ consciousness or enlightenment. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? It is really amazing.
and, truly Cri amazing and, and Christos is merely the Greek word for enlightenment, Christ, Christ enlightenment. So, becoming an adept, what did that all, you, you know, you're an initiate, and if yeah. you pass the initiations, fine and good. Becoming an adept was extremely important. Um, the um, schools that we're talking about, the building or temples are considered to be living, as the structures are not only the school, but part of the ancient wisdom teachings themselves. Now, in the Bible, when I can't remember. I think it's Chronicles or something. I don't know. Um, when the temple in Israel was built, yeah, it, it it was a very supernatural event. And um, when we look at the architecture of what is existing, and we can look at um, in Egypt, yeah, we, we go, we scratch our heads, and how did they do this? You it's know, numerically in line with dimensions of our planet as well and the heavens yeah. and in mm -hmm. the cosmos mm -hmm. so the fact that they were able to scale and build something to the definition of a specific number or numbers that matches the entire planet is beyond me but yeah. it obviously shows you the level well of they wisdom. didn't they didn't teach geometry as just an exercise in class they right. taught this geometry was, because this was this was vitally important in terms right. of being in the right place and you know I mean, the relationship as above so below to the concepts or right. the information is different right uh, yeah which puts us off track from the beginning <laughs> Yeah, the, there's there's more what... reasons that are uh, hard to explain than just an, a school exercise. It's yeah. like common core math. I mean, okay, you're going to do it this way, this way, and this way, and going to come up with this answer in this way. But why? But why? 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 When? When? You why? know, we could be figuring this out so that we're aligned with the heavens but why What's do this why do this nonsense on paper it, just as an exercise when when yeah we got to have a purpose and you can obviously see that purpose was being lost is a modern moderate thing because yeah. do, do everything we, they did was purposeful right what what modern building feels like it's alive None of them. <laughs> they all feel like they're the opposite. You go in there right. and you start losing life, not gaining life. Right, right, uh, right. So that's that's what it was considered. The 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 temples uh, were considered living structures, and each temple. Listen to this. Each temple's harmonic construction transmitted its own unique frequency, while every aspect of the reliefs and carvings from gesture to wardrobe of the characters being um, depicted communicate very complex meanings hidden in symbolism and allegory. Um, occult knowledge or hidden knowledge or knowledge that was difficult to partake in was mm -hmm. considered secret and enshrined behind a veil of hieroglyphs, numerical codes, and alphabet meanings. Okay, so Everything was code for something else. So mm. everything was symbolic. But you have acoustics and harmonics in these buildings. And 
you have the, the whole panorama of everything you visually take in. Yeah. You know. May I and today, like you said, we're still trying to wrap our minds around some of these things, but the fact that they're tra transmitting their own unique frequency and they there's elements of just understanding that we don't even know what these things could have given yeah, off. Yeah, because the when we understand it, it's not an understanding that we speak about. It's an understanding in our how it how it resonates yeah, in us and all of our chakras, feeling. in our whole mind, our aura. I can everything. only imagine what it would feel like to actually stand within the pyramids or next to them, just to feel that vibration of you know intensity i imagine well when these the initiates that... signed up for this school yeah. i believe they were under the understanding that these miraculous things were yeah. what they wanted to experience and they right. they dearly want nowadays when kids sign up for college they want to know what kind of a football team they have right it's really not about the knowledge it's about something along the, the other experience the, the experiences right yeah, uh, you know which but, but that this is what I want to experience. I want right. to be in a building that aligns with the experience of wonder, something beyond the scope of what you beyond can the physical, right? You beyond can experience on the day to day. Um, it is in the shock and awe, wonder, and wonder. you know the feeling that you know. I always wake up every morning and say, God is love, and I want to experience that love. That profoundness. Uh, yeah, I want to feel that profound alignment, attunement. Yeah. I want it resonating with me. And uh, if I don't have it, something's missing, and I don't have a real good day. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. But see, that's why I would say, like you said, they took the time to ensure every aspect it was of vitally it. important from vitally the building, important from the yeah. way they were living their life all these things were constructed to give off that great vibration you know to and afford. you were you were able to partake in it yeah not of it but in, in it. it yeah so um when pythagoras returned to italy after his uh 20 years or something uh in uh, i believe it was alexandria <coughs> He started his own mystery school, and it was known for its study of what we were just talking about, relationships. Mm. So, as above, so below. You know, the Kabbalion. These are the uh, yeah. harmonic principles. Yeah, the correspondence, seven. you know, relationships. And then students in these schools had to take a, a vow of silence for many years. They couldn't talk about it. Uh, the teaching strategy developed a sharper sense of not only outer but also inner faculty ability for listening along a deeper, more profound way of understanding what is to be received from the source. Mm. So the source, a living temple, is transmitting something to you. You know. Like when we say, did you get did you see a sign? Was there a sign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in other words, you're downloading inspiration. Yeah. You know, when when God breathed life into Adam, that's Taking in spirit. Mm. Every breath. In spirit, with every breath. Okay, well, this is in spirit taking in wisdom, knowledge, um, 
expansion of consciousness and right. uh, cosmic knowledge because I don't care you can you you can uh, read about Tesla Einstein Pythagoras any any Plato uh, Plato anybody they got more out of inspiration yeah you know even Edison says inventing something is 99% press one uh, percent perspiration and ninety nine percent inspiration. So it comes from somewhere. Yeah. And the Egyptians knew how to channel it. And um, wow. nowadays, in 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 our religious experience, we're channeling. Uh, you know, everybody who wrote chapters of the Bible, books of the Bible, yeah. they were channeling what they were hearing from God, and so. Becoming an adept meant you were tuned in and you were getting things. Wow. Okay? I got you. And you were taught how to get these things from source. Deeper and more profound way of understanding what is to be received from, from source. So one, one can imagine the level of introspection that may manifest from this arduous training. And when one wished to attain mastery over the mysteries of life after death, he or she would be sent to knock at the door of the great temple of Thebes or the one in Memphis. Here, he had been told the priests could teach what Isis and Osiris knew. And if the student was admitted, the priest would question him or her about the place of his birth, family, lineage, temple where he'd received his elementary education. And by revealing this, the student was found, if he was found unworthy, he was sent away. If he was approved, he was deemed sincere about learning the truth of the mysteries. He would be led through a corridor to an underground crypt where a large statue of Isis hid the door to an inner sanctuary. So... Um, it was an arduous pro process to get in. It definitely sounds like that. Yeah, so uh, back to Isis, her face was veiled, and there was an inscription that advised all that no mortal could ever lift her veil to look upon her true features until the moment of death. Okay, so even death itself was a denouement. It was uh, an experience that... You didn't fear. You looked forward to it because it was it was a culmination. It's kind of a graduation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To some degree. It's you've been building up. You've been gaining this knowledge. You've been enlightening yourself to prepare for. And you should you be prepared. To walk through the mm -hmm. next door into the next room. Yeah. Where that information that you've built and gained and stored away should be vital, uh, I imagine, at that next step of what... Mm -hmm. Uh, our all, all of our journey mm -hmm. uh, would mm -hmm. be. It's another part of the journey, but it's like you've been walking through the desert, and all of a sudden you come upon the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> oh, you know, whereas before it was just one foot in front of the other, plodding along, and you're hot and thirsty, and now you get, oh my word, you know. Right. Um, but so within that vastness, there is the approach where you could become fearful or inspired well you're conquering your fears that's it uh it's it's the fact of how you look at it but we're in a society where this death has become just the end the end so 
well, everyone we, focuses living in the material world. That's right, what we but do. I think the way that they shaped it helps people focus on the materials because they're like, well, death is death. That's the end. So you should live now. Do everything you can now. Focus on all the things that we've put around you and not what's after this. And this is where I can kind of consider it to be like a maybe like a conscious kind of trap to where it's like your conscious can't grow or evolve if they're making you focus on things that will Well, always remember you. this, and this helps pull the thread along. Yeah. You were something before you're you were born right whenever your soul entered that fetus or baby you you were somewhere already something you were already something and you'd been something or someone many times before yeah and um then you went through a time of forgetting it yeah. and now you're relearning it mm. this time you're relearning it with similar but different circumstances so always remember that then there's another thread you know your thread yeah. never breaks yeah it's always gotcha. there and the thread keeps going on so how many times have you moved out of a, ho a home or an apartment or a dorm room and now you're in another set of rooms or whatever yeah and that's basically all it is okay you know. Wow. <laughs> I love the way you explained that. That that was amazing. But I want to study all this myself personally because when I do cross over, when I do get to see the face of Isis or whatever it is I see. Yeah. Um I I I want enough of my conscious awareness to be along with me along for the ride so that yeah. I can enjoy it instead yeah. of being uh, confused by it. Right. I, don't want, I don't want that confusion. Don't I want, want that confusion. I, I want uh, clarity. Yeah. That's it. In my, That's the key. In my new state. Okay, so um, upon entering the sanctuary, there were two columns. One was black and one was red. Now, a lot of this stuff you're gonna you're gonna start hearing about you see in tarot cards. Okay. Um, oftentimes, um, so um, the priest would explain that the red one was the column of ascension of the spirit into the heights of Osiris. So ascension, your thread is also going along, but there's also ascension. Mm. So ascension was important for the spirit to go into the light of Osiris or the Christ consciousness or enlightenment. And the black was captivity of the spirit in spiritual matter, what we were just discussing, the material world. Yeah. And I want to just take a little, I want to tell you a story. It's about a, okay. um, um, a documentary that was done by Martin Scorsese, and I it was the it was the documentary of George Harrison and his life. He was very he was a Beatle and he was a rock star and he was a great guitarist and all that other kind of stuff and and um, but he was a very 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 spiritual being. He loved studying with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and wow. uh, he was probably himself uh, close to being an adept and uh, or probably was an adept and a yogi himself. Um, 
he was kind of a private guy. He he died from cancer. Uh, he was in a uh, hospice hospital in Switzerland when he passed, and yeah. his wife and son were with him. Uh, and he knew his death was imminent with cancer. You know that, and um, he was fine. He you know he. He made his peace. He, he made, yeah, I mean, everything was fine with him because he knew spiritually exactly where he was going. Gotcha. When he, and this is a like a four-hour-long documentary by Martin. Wow. It's and called. You know, it's done right because I mean, Martin, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, living in the material world, parts one and two, the life of George Harrison. Wow. So okay. when he passed, he was in a beautiful room, and it looked over a beautiful meadow. And um, it was sparsely furnished, and um, his son and his wife were there. And his wife, Olivia, said that when he closed his eyes and the last breath came out the body, um, just a few seconds later, there were whitish, cloud-like uh, movements that went all over the ceiling, all around all the walls. Wow. Uh, would linger in the windows, would linger around first the sun and then her, and then, um, you know, finally dissipate. Wow. And uh, so he had a lot of mojo. And mm. so his passing was um, life-affirming. And I want my passing to be life-affirming. Yeah. Uh, I want everybody's passing to be life-affirming because we need to teach those who come after us. Right. And uh, just wanted to tell you that story. No, that, that is beautiful. I, oh. I think you can find it on the internet. Yeah, well, or, you know, I'm sure get it on I'll look it Netflix. up and, and yeah. our listeners will look that up as well. Yeah, he oh, was we an incredible, the incredible that, person. Like you said, done by Martin Scorsese, mm -hmm. you know it's got to be done mm -hmm. well. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at it's, that. It's it's meaningful, very very meaningful. Anyway, so okay. um, the initiate was warned that seeking the mysteries risked madness or death. You could become thoroughly confused. Things could go wrong. I can see that. You know, you could be uh, overcome with fear or something. You know, I, I would say I, the, they didn't use the word psychological, but. I think that's what they were talking about. I'd say the closest thing that I could relate it to is like, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but the original Matrix where it's like mm. um, the red pill or the blue pill. Yeah, yeah. Know, how deep does the rabbit hole go, Alice? Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. truly when it comes to a path of enlightenment and understanding the world that we're in, there is some things that may be tough to understand or take in and some people may just not be ready to accept or handle uh, yeah. all the information so that's, that's out there. So yeah, that's, that's why you got to give that disclosure and say, "Hey, yeah, this could be a little rough simply because there's no hiding anything. It's going to be open right. in front of you. It's going to be in front of you and not everything is pretty." And that explains the interview process to become right. a, an initiate. Makes sense. So, um uh it was a big risk and you had to understand that once the door closed behind him, he would no longer be able to turn back. Okay, so menial tasks came next, and these were always done in silence. <clears throat> um, 
Then there'd be the evening of the ordeals. Two neochoruses who aided the hierophant would lead the initiate to a secret sanctuary, a dark room with statues of the gods and goddesses, other entities with human bodies and animal heads, and appeared foreboding and threatening in the flickering light. Okay, so you had to get over that fear. The Usually fear is the fear of appearances anyway. Yeah. Even now in the 21st it century. Is. Mm-hmm. They kind of exploit that. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the far side, a hole in the wall with a skeleton on one side and a mummy on the other appeared, and the hole was large enough for someone to enter on hands and knees. Okay, so that's where you're going. Mm. Speaking of rabbit holes. Okay, so another opportunity was given to them to turn back. Or, if the person had the courage, he was to crawl into the tunnel and continue on his way. Well, I would be courageous and I'd say, okay, as long as I can get my fat butt through that hole, I'm going to be all right. Okay, so with only a small lamp to drive back the shadows, crawling, the initiate would um, hear over and over deep, voices warning that fools who covet knowledge were certain to die. Now, why would they say fools who covet knowledge are destined to die? Knowledge for knowledge's sake or knowledge to build your ego? Yeah, yeah, we're on a path of wisdom. Uh, But it's also a test. Right. You know. Okay. Okay. Uh, eventually, uh, the initiate would find themselves in uh, a wider area, and they'd begin to um, descend down an iron ladder, metal ladder. And as the lowest rung appeared, the initiate saw only gaping abyss. And the idea was that you'd be fearful and think you were going to die if you stepped off the ladder. However, if the oil in the lamp had held out, you know, if only, Mm. (laughs) if then, if, you know, uh, if it had held out, the novice would see a staircase carved into a crevice to his right. Okay, if, what do you balance out the ifs with faith? Right. You have to balance out the if if with with the faith. faith. Okay. Um, So you could... uh, Go to your right. You could also, like, let one foot down while you're still hanging on and see if there's anything solid, you know, if, you, if your lamp had uh, gone out. Yeah. Uh, so there's more than one way to skin a cat, Yeah, yeah. you know, comes into play here. So, I gotcha. And, and faith. <clears throat> he would then ascend this... Um, he would... Uh, he would then ascend the spiral staircase that he'd find and then find himself entering a great great hall and he would be congratulated by the magician and called out by the pastifer and um, taken to where there was a, uh, a guardian of the sacred s- symbols and that was the first test and they wow. knew they had passed it because yeah. now they're down there with the sacred symbols and so forth. Uh, the pastifor would explain the sacred paintings and the 22 secret symbols on the walls of the Great Hall. And these represented the 22 
First Mysteries, and the Alphabet of Their Secret Science. The Universal Keys um, became the source of all wisdom and power. Okay, so wisdom is very powerful on its own. Yeah. And and uh, the, the other power they're talking about is the, the resonating, the ability to listen and interpret, the... Um, attunement the alignment you know with what's coming from source that that they're working very hard on in this um living temple okay. and remember man is always a, lim a living temple, temple as well right the body yeah so the um with all these explanations and them representing the first the 22 first mysteries and the alphabet of the secret science and the universal keys. So, each letter and each number given in the language of the mysteries had its repercussion in the worlds of the divine, the intellectual, and the physical. So it's first the divine, and then, you know, your thought process, and then you take it in physically, your chakras, your okay. nerve endings, your abilities, your how you comport yourself okay so it's like a trinity of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the three mm -hmm. body mind soul mm -hmm. and um but i like uh, i like uh, divine intellect and physical or yeah. divine wisdom and physical the student needed to learn all of these things by heart and then the second test comes along, and um, you had to pass through a great furnace of flames. Those who refused never got close enough to see that it was all a clever optical illusion, and there was a safe path down through the middle, you know? Mm. This trial by fire was followed by trial by water, so the third test... This one offered no illusion, but you only walk through a chest-high, dark, and stagnant pool. You don't know this. It's dark, and there are, if there are flickering lights, it's probably more um, distracting than, you know, allowing you to see. I gotcha. And so you're in this dank pool. Right. And... Um, you have to walk through it. You don't know what your feet are going to touch. You don't yeah. know if there's going to be a crocodile down there to take your legs off. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's testing your faith and your um, uh, ability to uh, resist fear taking mm -hmm. hold. Um, two near courses would then help helped to pull the novice out of the pool and then would escort him into a room with a tub filled with warm and perfumed water and then leave him to dry off and dress in fine linens and to await the hierophant. But wait. <laughs> he would enjoy the bath and lie on a soft bed and then soon music would be heard and a lovely young woman would appear much like the goddess Isis herself and she would enter and attempt to seduce the student. Or if it was a priest, uh, um, um, if it was a female initiate, it would be the other. And if if this seducer succeeded, the student failed. 
He would be sent away, he or she would be sent away knowing he had triumphed over death, fire, and water, but had failed to conquer himself or herself. If he had resisted the temptress, twelve Neocharises would enter the room to lead him in triumph into the sanctuary of Isis. <coughs> so here the priest, um, he, uh, from that day forward, here the priests awaited him under a massive statue of the goddess, and then she would be standing with a gold rose at her breast and wearing a crown of seven rays and holding her son Horus in her arms. So you see where we get all this Catholic stuff. Right. It is. Wow. It's, yeah. I mean, Christianity is just a copy of all this. Le legitimately, because obviously the <coughs> major influencers or influencers uh, in the Christianity, uh, I it would be hard to say that they didn't experience or go through or were a part. Well, Constantine knew all this stuff, right? Uh, in these schools, or because, uh, like you said, even you know uh, Pythagoras started mm -hmm. his own mm -hmm. mystery school. Mm -hmm. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, taking his own approach, I'm sure. But a lot mm -hmm. of the foundational information that he had uh, was gathered here. Mm -hmm. um, in these schools, so that is an eye opener for mm -hmm. sure. The and and the opener. other thing, flip side of the coin is we all came from somewhere, and we came from a parent of the male sex and a parent of the female sex. So you know, there you go. As the same for the wisdom and the mm -hmm. knowledge. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. a way we can trace that back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of mm -hmm. like a, a, a genealogy. Ans yeah, <laughs> it's like the genealogy. Genea you know, the Old Testament's full of knowledge. genealogy. Yeah. Sure. Okay. okay, so the student would then take <coughs> the, oath, the oaths of silence and submission as a disciple of Isis. And from that day forward, he would be a recipient of the mysteries of Isis. So becoming an adept took steps. Um, Arduous steps. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, it changed you, you know, if you, you come through all that from stuff. From what I'm hearing here, yeah. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. no way you're going to go in You're not going to be the same person. As you're going to come out. Right, right, right. Especially right, right. if you pass these tests and get through these stages and get here, you are not the same person. Right. Uh, it's something has transcended or transformed yeah, within you, you, you by now. You've been, uh, there's been a transmutation. Yes. You're thinking. <laughs> so the student would be led at dusk. Uh, into the lower uh, crypt of the temple. Oh, wait a minute. The cult of Osiris, now we're in the, the male school. The cult of Osiris right. was established as Abydos, and Osiris eventually became known as the Lord of Death. This is the passage of time um, right. through the different dynasties and whatnot. Uh, he became known as the Lord of Death or the Lord of the West, referring to his mastery over all those who would travel west into the sunset of death. And uh, so death is another word for ascension. A student would be led at dusk into the lower crypt of the temple by four priests carrying torches. In the corner there would be an open sarcophagus supported by four pillars placed upon four sphinxes. The chief priest of the mystery would advise the student that no man could ever escape death 
but every soul who did die <coughs> was also destined to be resurrected and to receive life anew. Mm. And those who wished to become a priest of Osiris would enter the tomb alive and await his light. You would go into the tomb and it would be closed up behind you. Spending the night in the coffin or sarcophagus, whatever, would allow him to enter through the door of fear to achieve mastery. Okay, so now all you really have is, well, you have total darkness. So yes. you have your mind. That's it. You have your mind and you have your beliefs and you have your uh, whatever the magi and the hierophants, however they have guided you, you have... And, what, and all of the things that you have committed to memory and all of the symbols that you know and can picture every image you can conjure and awaiting in the physical sense <coughs> in this blackness um, the light so the light where is it coming from you're in a living temple mm. but you're in a box of death you are the light. You are the light. Mm, makes sense. Okay. So um, he'd, he'd lie down, he would be left alone, and the priest would leave him a small lamp, which would soon use up its small amount of oil. So you have a little bit to adjust with. Outside the tomb, he might be able to hear priests chanting his funeral song. Oh my God, I'm going to die here. <clears throat> so there's, you know, uh, th this may be my last bit of consciousness on this earth plane. And then you go, well, so what? <laughs> so what if it is? <laughs> and um, so um, then the priest... Um, then alone in the dark, hearing this funeral music, you'd feel the cold of the grave close in upon you. You would get that experience. And remember, it's just an experience. Mm. It's not the end of the world. It's all but it's an experience that is very conscience. real. Right. Very real. Okay. <clears throat> alone in the dark, feeling the cold of the grave close in upon him, he might experience a life review or begin to see colors and lights appear. The illumination was the light of Osiris, come to bring him visions. Imagine yourself, you're lying there in the dark, you're probably hearing uh, uh, your, your, your funeral song being sung and... Very intense. Yeah, it's intense. And um, you may experience your own life review if your mind wanders in that direction. Or you begin to see colors and lights appear. And any illumination is from the light of Osiris. And it's come there <coughs> to bring you some visions. Excuse me. So some may claim uh, to have had conversations with Isis or Osiris or both. Others may visualize themselves in the land of the dead. Walking and, walking and talking with departed ones in spirit and receiving special teaching from Osiris or others. 
And what does that sound like? Sounds like modern day spiritualism and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it really does. you know, mediumship. So those who have survived this test were then, um, when it was over, they were awakened by priests. They'd open up the sarcophagus and, and um, the priests would proclaim that the initiate's resurrection is happening now and uh, they would bring him refreshing food and drink. So this is your resurrection. This is your first experience on ascension. Gotcha. You've okay. went through all of these arduous tasks, mm -hmm. you know, from the previous day and even prior to that. This has been an entire journey for you to come out of that coffin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Profound, I imagine. Mm -hmm. at that so moment. this is your this is your human experience at ascension and uh, resurrection, mm -hmm. and. Um, Later on, the newly initiated member of the cult would be asked to describe any visions or prophetic messages he received while on the journey of light with Osiris. Now, the sun god, Ra, was responsible for creation of the heavens and earth. He was a solar god who concerned himself with the world and the laws that governed it. Osiris began to eclipse Ra's role because his focus was man's life in relation to everything else and of course father mother and child mm. and he was considered you know the the model for the father figure and the connection between the two between um Ra and Osiris was Horus his son the sky god who had saved Egypt the cosmology of Osiris can be divided into two periods. The one where he's um, fully engaged in human relationships okay. um, or in, in the human condition and the uh, one where he's now the god of the dead. So the early, mm. early period, 3000 BC, he was the political power and administrator of high culture, unifying factor in bringing the Delta and Northern Upper Egypt into one realm, and he was the ideal husband and father, and after his death, the god of resurrection. Okay. Sound familiar? Yeah. And then the does. second period extended from the time of the pyramid texts, um, then the common era when he was the god of the dead and the king of the underworld and the god of the west. Wow. You know. There, like you said, you know, when those, it comes those to who ascend. Christianity, uh, following. Oh, there's, there's so many parallels. So many parallels. Borrowings. Uh, between, <laughs> um, you know, these stories, which, you know, are obviously much older. Yeah. Uh, and the tellings of the more moderate versions. Well, this was the Mediterranean and, you know. Yeah. Um. Modern day Israel is not that far it's from right down. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. We think we think, oh, that that was a lot of tra travel by foot or by camel. Not much. You get you in that get, water. You get in that water and you're there. Okay. <clears throat> he was the God man, Osiris was. He suffered and died and rose again and reigned eternally in heaven. And the Egyptians believed that they would inherit eternal life just as he had done. He was their model for them. Mm. Upon death, Osiris would pass judgment upon souls before him. 
he would take um, Anu- uh, Anubis, Anubis would be present, and he okay. is the jackal-headed god. Isis would be the enchantress and goddess representing life. And the goddess of the underworld would be at this judgment, and her name was Nephthys. And uh, she would... Um, uh, they'd all be on hand to carry out the judging process. So there were 42 divine judges, and they were there to assess the life of the one who passed, and the deceased would have to, uh, would be allowed to have uh, 42 misdeeds. They'd be able to, to deny them, and uh, it's all about the weight, the balance. And... Um, Osiris indica- would indicate a large pair of balances, a scale, with the heart of the deceased and the feather of truth, one on each side. And um, the god Thoth would read and record the decision. And standing in the shadows was a monstrous creature prepared to devour the deceased should the feather of truth outweigh his or her heart. <clears throat> so what do you think of that? It's interesting. Well, of course, we know the Egyptians would yeah. do a full... Um, well, you see that... Uh, like an autopsy, in, yeah. You, you see that um, the symbolism of it uh, enshrined uh, in the hieroglyphs. Of, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, pretty much everything that you said taking mm-hmm. place where the judges and everyone kind of counseled around and the, you know, the scales and everything happening... I, you can kind of see that in the hieroglyphs. It's just now being like explained. It makes more sense of the imagery that you're right, seeing. So, right, right, um, And this was a large part of their culture. Right. So this is why they lived a certain way and transcended their life that in that particular manner. Because on this date of judgment, they wanted to ensure that that heart was lighter or as light as that feather. The feather. They wanted to have it all come out in the balance. Okay, so in these instances, when the heart outweighed the feather, the deceased was permitted to go to the fields of A'alu, the real world where the gods lived. And because humans, and this is what the um, people of Egypt believed, just the co- your common everyday man and woman, because humans were the offspring of the gods, the fields of A'alu offered an eternal association and loving companionship with the deities, and therefore they figured that regardless of the heart and regardless of the feather, the afterlife was a certainty for all Egyptians because they were God's children. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I just like But it is but but you still had to Right, you have to try. see what you have to even that is a and is a is a an enlightenment. You know, mm-hmm. you get you're getting to experience this and then it would be just like that ritualistic thing is just is your faith or it, do you it's salvation, it's forgiveness, it's um you're going through the motions. Yeah. And you want to happily go through the motions right. because you don't want to even consider that monster in the corner. Right. You know, so that's your uh invitation to the godly way 
you know, okay. your, your incentive wow. to stay away from an ungodly way. Um, but even if you were ungodly, you'd still be forgiven. And then... Because you are still a child of God. You're still a child of God. Wow, Liz, mm -hmm. you dropped one on us. <laughs> that, that is profound. so. Um, and and when I cross over, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask, uh, point me in the direction uh, of the fields of Alu because I want to go fields there and visit. Yeah. When I'm in heaven, I want to go to all the heavens. I want to go to Nirvana. I want to go to Alu, and I want to go. Wait, no, was Nirvana? Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to make a a, a map. <laughs> yeah. And uh, tell you well, all the I different heavens heard. I want to go to. Yeah, I haven't heard of a Nirvana, you said? Nirvana, yeah. 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 Elysian fields and all kinds of different heavens. Yeah. I hope that there's at least, you know, um, a post with all the signs and so all the directions. It's so. like the Appalachian Trail. Right, it's yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> I want to go to this heaven. I want to go to that yeah. heaven. I want to I want to visit all these people. I yeah. want to talk to the ancient oh, Egyptians wow. and say, well, what was it like? What you know? was, uh, just to imagine <laughs> just being able to go, you, you spend some time, you know, what is time at that point? You know, it's like, just the experience of just you know it's like wow. when somebody says you do want to go to heaven when you die i want to go to all the heavens yeah <laughs> experience all there is and all yeah. there was yeah or to be yeah beautiful yeah. so what else what other comments do you have about wow. this and 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 what do you think it would it would be like if we had these kinds of schools right now well today? the world would definitely be a different place it would be a better place i think simply because the material you, you wouldn't live your life for the material. The material would only aid in the life that you wanted to live. It wouldn't be based on the material. They would only be used as they should be, a tool or something to, but it wouldn't be the premise for the life itself. Now it's like we're almost living to have the things. Yeah, and it's and that not fulfilling because you can't stop. But this is why we have people cracking and like <laughs> losing it. They don't know what to do. You have humans in an unhuman experience almost uh, well this... i look at it this way vince we are here to operate within a body and the body yeah. needs a little bit of care as a baby we need to be fed and kept protected right and then uh we need to do the minimum you know to keep right. ourselves you know clean <laughs> right healthy and um yeah. and 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 operating uh and but the thing is, it's our heart and our mind and our soul. Yeah. That's what we, you know, we need to have common sense for our material life. Yeah. And realize that, you know, wanting and wanting and wanting for every material thing is just yeah. just the wrong path. There's no profoundness coming from that. Well, there's no satisfaction. It's yeah. temporary because it's temporal. Right. And... And, and when you find satisfaction, like passing initiations, when you find satisfaction yeah. in the mystical and spiritual and religious and uh, in the profound yeah. mysteries, when, yeah. when you find that... I think that's the greatest level of appreciation. And when you feel resonate everything resonating with you in terms yeah. of the higher life then you're going to have a very satisfying life very whether much. you're driving an old jalopy or uh, yeah. 
you know, yeah, it's wearing ten year old jeans. It transcends the material. Yeah, because the material's all gonna fall away. It's not permanent. No, it's all temporary. But we have the idea (laughs) of permanence. It's a, it's that that veil of illusion. Yeah. What's going to be permanent is me visiting all the heavens. Right. <laughs> when um, I when I ascend. Oh my! Only imagine, <laughs> like you said, being able to share a conversation with like some of the greatest minds or intellects of of all time and. And yeah, I want to visit them all. Right, I mean, I'm, like you I'm, said, I'm gonna be. <laughs> we're gonna. It's this way. Okay, we'll be taking a journey this way. It just sounds uh, like it. It would be the place you would want to be when you transcend out of this, because that's what it seems as though our day to day lives are to, you know, test us. Obviously, through learning the uh, through the schools of Egyptian mystery and through their processes of initiation, there's tests, you know, and mm-hmm. then and then. But the way that they do and it... And how do you stack up? Exactly. <laughs> so the journey, it, it's almost as though they modeled kind of what Source will do, in a sense, through their schooling so that you can have that that same concept of, are you going to give up now? All right, go to the next stage. Are you going to give up now? Or it, are you going to continue on? Are you going to give up now? Well, if we're smart, the accumulation of everything we learned... Yeah, is is our incentive to keep, to keep on going? A, right, you every know. experience but justifies to, you moving into the next. To do that, you have to have focus. Right. You cannot be de- de- Here, deterred. There. You know, cannot cannot have all these distractions. Right. You got to be know. focused in tunnel vision on mm-hmm. that. This is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And that's what George Harrison had. He had that tunnel vision focus. I can remember in the documentary, uh, George was asked by his parents, who were good Catholics, and he was raised a Catholic boy. Okay. And his parents were getting on in years, and they were concerned about him spiritually because he had a, adapted into you know um, Hindu mysticism and so forth. And uh, they asked him, George, are you still a good Catholic? He says, "Oh yeah, I'm both." He says, "He says," and they they dovetail completely. Yeah. And he said, I can see uh, that. "My my my soul is, you know, God's, and I, you know, that's I'm good there, right. you know." And he was a. I didn't explain it as well as he did in the documentary, but. Um, you know, to hear him say it, we're all good. Right. You know, there's no difference. No. It's, it's uh, you know, to become a, a friar or a brother or a monk or a priest or a nun. Yeah. Any kind, you know, you enter as a novitiate and, and it's this, Almost the same thing, you know, in Catholicism, without all the other claptrap and the crazy history, okay. you know. Um, so, you know, when somebody says, oh, you're going to go to hell when you die because you're not a whatever. Yeah. That just, that's an old, worn-out argument. Yeah. And that's a distraction. And that's, right. you know, it's, it's not from God. It's from man. It is. It comes from man's ideas or mm-hmm. man's concepts. Mm-hmm. Or man's judgment. 
Man's judgment. That's it. That's it. You what know you want to do is you want to test yourself and you want to prove to yourself that you are still on the path and that you've got the focus. And that you learn your wow. life lessons. Wow. Do on, and don't forget to do unto others as you want to do unto you. And it's all about ascension. Yes. And it's all about visiting all the heavens when you do cross over. And we will. I'll, right. I'll meet you there. Yes. I'll meet you there, Bob. All right. Well, we'll that, get a GPS so we can interconnect. Yes, that was part two on the Egyptian schools of mysteries. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. There was a lot to unpackage and unravel there. So we got two parts. You guys, if you didn't catch the first one, definitely check it out. Um, as again, thank you for listening. And we will come back with a new episode uh, before long. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Thank you.